So we're continuing in our series on women in the Bible, and today we're taking a look at Martha and her relationship and an encounter she had with Jesus Christ. I want to set some context for you, though. We, we find about Mary and Martha in relationship to Jesus back in the Gospel of Luke, earlier in his ministry, where he uh, goes to their house. You may remember the story of Martha stays in the kitchen and Mary's in the living room just listening to Jesus. And they have, shall we say, a sibling encounter. Uh, some of you have identified in the past that you're the Martha or you're the Mary. But in this story that we find in the Gospel of John, they are not sitting there angsting about who's doing what work. Instead, their attention is on the fact that their brother Lazarus is seriously ill, in fact dying. I want you to listen to the encounter and engagement that happens between particularly Martha and Jesus here in the Gospel of John, the 11th chapter. He found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Cheryl. Join with me in prayer. We seek, Lord, to find your spirit. We seek, Lord, to ask for your spirit to mingle with ours. We ask you, Lord, to help us to find the place of peace that we yearn for, the direction for tomorrow of your creation. So guide us now in this moment as we continue to open up our hearts and minds that it is your word somehow in the middle of all my words, and sometimes in spite of them, to be revealed and lived. We pray this in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Did you know that the early Jews in the first century, the Jews of the first century, believed that when you died, your spirit hovered above the body for three days? And while the spirit hovered, they believed it continued to look at the face to see whether or not color would come back. And if after the third day, on the fourth morning, if there was no color, that's when the spirit left. That's what they believed. Can you imagine a more depressing image than watching a spirit hover 
looking for life where there was going to be none. Perhaps. Perhaps because maybe you, like me, have had moments where you have been hovering, wondering if there was going to be life again. Wondering if perhaps the best of what was going to be was already in the past. And the future that seemed to be coming towards you did not bring joy or hope. Have you ever been in a place where it felt like your spirit was hovering, looking for life? Martha and Mary's brother Lazarus was dead. Now, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus were friends of Jesus. We know that from the Bible story. We do not know how they met. We, we do understand, though, that they were past the casual friendship stage. They were the kind of friends that shared truth and reality of life with each other. They were the kind of friends who knocked on the door and entered in anyway. They were the kind of friends that when you gathered with them and you sat with them, you laughed deep laughs. You cried honest tears and spoke truth. Which is why, as Lazarus was sick, you can understand why Mary and Martha summoned Jesus to come. They knew that he'd been a healer with others, and perhaps they were hoping for that, but quite frankly, they also just wanted their friend Jesus with them. You have friends whom you want to have with you in the most poignant moments of your life. And when they're not there, their absence is conspicuous. I mean, I can understand at times when perhaps God is too busy to show up, but your best friend? Where was he? And as Lazarus's condition shifted from being very sick to dying, they yearned for Jesus to be there all the more. And yet he did not come. And as they waited, their spirits hovered on the waves of frustration and fear. And then Lazarus died. And the wake was begun, the mourners were gathered, the burial was already complete. Then Jesus showed up. Oh, Martha and Mary were in the house with the other mourners when word comes that Jesus has arrived. It's Martha who goes out to greet him, and she goes out to greet him like you would a friend, a friend that you can speak truth to. She goes out not just to say, hey, glad you're here, but she had to speak her truth. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Where you been? Why didn't you get here sooner? She's sort of blaming Jesus, isn't she? And I've been in a lot of places with corpses for those standing around wanting to blame Jesus for not whatever. Even in her grief and frustration, though, she makes this confession. It's an odd confession. She says, but even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Well, what did she expect Jesus to ask for? My guess is comfort. Relief from some of this grief and pain. Uh, help with her and her sister. Think about what tomorrow's going to look like. It never dawned on her to think 
that she should ask for the impossible because, well, the impossible is just that. Jesus says to her, you know, Lazarus is going to rise from the dead. And she says, yeah, I know. She knew that there was a group of, of, uh, of the Jewish community, the Pharisees in particular, who believed in the resurrection of the dead. And so what she heard Jesus saying was this theological platitude. Like, you know, in the end days, you know Lazarus is going to be in the kingdom of heaven. You know, have you been in the funeral home where you've heard that? You know, you'll see him soon one day kind of thing. Thanks for saying that, but it really doesn't help me much today. This is not really all that comforting. She confesses that Jesus is the Messiah, but she still is not expecting much from him. And Jesus leaves her and moves towards the burial site. Now, he encounters Mary. The Scripture tells us about that. And they have a brief conversation. We don't know what that is. But then he moves closer to where Lazarus is buried. And it is there that he begins to grieve. Scripture says, the Greek says, he begins to shake. He is moved. He is crying tears. In that moment, Jesus pauses to feel the entire weight of the grief that's upon him. Not only the grief of the death of Lazarus, but the grief of Mary and Martha and all the mourners. The grief of all the deaths that he's experienced before this moment. The weight of all of that has come upon him. And in that moment, we see that not even God believes it's right to pass by those moments and not acknowledge them. That sometimes standing there and simply sobbing and grieving is exactly the most holy thing you can do. And then Jesus calls for the stone to be removed from the tomb. What's that about? They're standing around. He's asking, does he just need to see the body? Is it like, you know, someone who wants to open up the casket one last time? Why? And Martha proclaims where she really is in the moment. She speaks her truth once again. She says, Lord, do not remove the stone because there'll be a stench. She's bought into the death. The death is real. The death is death. It's over. It's done. And death is doing its work, and there's going to be a stink. Jesus is the Messiah, she proclaimed, but after all, death is death. And life stinks in that moment. It was real, and its consequences, she believed, could not be denied. Keep everything buried. Let me die a little to myself and face a future with loss and fear and uncertainty. But Jesus does more than ask the stone to be removed. He calls Lazarus to come out. He calls Lazarus to come alive. And in that moment, the most impossible thing happened. Lazarus comes out un tangling himself from the grave wrapping on him. And in that moment, the impossible occurs. Lazarus is resurrected, and so too is Martha. Death no longer has a hold on her. She is set free. 
I need a faith like that. I need a faith that is willing to show itself when life stinks. Now, I'm not a pessimist by nature. You probably know that. But the world is a place where it seems that faith is being battered and bruised, where hope is seeming to give over to fear and doubt is double-dating with cynicism. This morning I wake up to the knowledge that Haiti, a country that I fell in love with a number of years ago, is torn apart by conflict and despair. We took two teams to Haiti a few years ago. Any of you in the room who went to Haiti with me? Not many of you today, but we took about 25, 30 people. And while we were there, we fell in love with those people. We, we were confronted with poverty beyond what most folks had ever experienced. But we were also confronted with grace and generosity and beauty by those people. But today, the pressure of poverty and injustice and the lack of basic life necessities has turned Haiti into a place of turmoil and war. Today, as I pray for Haiti, I'm trying to proclaim hope for a land that is so desperate to even know how to survive another day. I need to have faith when life stinks in places like Haiti. This morning, as I join here with you in worship, I know that Reverend Laura and Reverend uh, Megan are down in St. Louis with other delegates from across the world trying to discuss the future of our denomination. This is a landmark moment in the history of Christendom. Not since 1841 has our denomination come together to struggle over an issue. In 1841, it was about slavery. Today, it's about the inclusion of the LGBTQ community within the life of our denomination. Today, tomorrow, and Tuesday, there will be actions taken that will set the path of our denomination on this issue. And it is clear that the divide between people locked in different beliefs on this issue will likely lead to a split in some form or fashion. I do not know what it will look like. And it may be several days after this general conference for it all to be clear, made clear as to what will actually happen. But this is clear. There's an awful lot of hurt, an awful lot of fear going on right now in the church that I fell in love with, in the church that saved me, in the church that taught me about grace and acceptance and love. And today, if I'm to be honest with you, I live as if my spirit were floating trying to find life. I am in deep grief over this church, this denomination. And it would be easily possible to let my fears and frustrations take me to a place that expects only death and despair. And as much as I'm heartbroken over the pain in my denomination, my heart breaks over the ways in which, at times, this denomination has excluded people from being welcomed into the community of faith, being taught that they are lesser than in the eyes of God. And in the words of my friend, Reverend Laura, I'm ready for all that hurt to end. I am heartbroken over the inability of people to be able to find a way to love alike, even when we cannot think alike. So much of the brokenness of the denomination that I love and that I represent causes me to reflect like Martha, Lord, there's a stench. 
But it's not just us, is it? My brothers and sisters in the Roman Catholic Church are carrying a burden that is beyond belief. Life stinks at times. But Martha is my hope. She's not my sister in despair. She helps me today. She helps me realize that God is revealed the most when life stinks. And in knowing that, I have this confidence today that I did not have a week ago that the Lord is in the middle of all of it. Jesus is not absent from us. Jesus is in St. Louis, in Haiti, in the movement of the Catholic Church, the United Methodist Church, and all the other places where life shows brokenness. Because there's a passage of Scripture that was not read to you this morning. I'm going to read to you now. Just as Jesus calls for Lazarus to come out. Listen. Then Jesus, greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said, Lord, there's already a stench because he's been dead for four days. And then Jesus said to her this, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And in that moment, it's in that moment that Lazarus comes out. It's in that moment that death is defeated. It's in that moment when, when Martha has life restored to her, when the world is changed. Today I believe that Jesus is saying that only to Martha, but to you and to me and to Haiti and the Catholic Church and the United Methodist Church. Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see God's glory? And while you may not know how that will be revealed, it will be revealed, and God's truth will win out, and God's grace will be released, so the stench is driven away. Death will not have the last word. Even when what we face means life will change, God remains in the middle of it, calling, come out, be unbound, be set free. Now, there are places today in your life and in mine and in the world where it stinks and it's okay to grieve. It may be time to shake and cry. All that's okay. But it's also time to look up and to look forward, to let your spirit look for life, for the, world, for the word today is Jesus calls us to shake off our burial clothes and trust that the stench you smell will be replaced by the glory of resurrection. I don't know how to help Haiti today, but I pray for it and trust that God will do the impossible in that place and time. I do not know the denomination that I will retire from and what it will look like. But I do know that the church will thrive and grow in the name of Jesus Christ in some form or fashion. And my spirit hovers today, strained to see what life will come out of the tomb. But I also know today in confidence what this church will look like. I know that this church will continue to offer Jesus Christ as Lord. I know that this church will continue to live by grace and offer mercy and hope and love as generously as we can every day of our life. We will seek to serve our communities because of the love of Christ that calls us to serve. And we will open our doors, generally welcoming all people, as our inclusion statement on the front of the bulletin says so that no one is kept out of the community of faith, no one is kept away from the waters of baptism or from the table of the Lord. We seek to call all people forth to claim their giftness and take their place in the kingdom of God. Today we commission our first group of congregational care workers. 
lady who are trained to go visit in the name of Jesus Christ. But we are also asking to empower each and every one of you to take your place in the kingdom of God, to be the ones who proclaim hope where life stinks, and to trust and believe that the glory of God is being revealed through you and around you. It is. Today I experienced that in the life of this church. Today I want to tell you that because of a gift from the community, this congregation is actively giving away a total of $100,000 in scholarships to persons seeking training or education to take the next steps in their life. You probably knew that, but what you don't know is this. This includes the offer that we just decided upon that this spring we will offer to every graduate of Renaissance High School a $300 scholarship, giving them an incentive to go take a class at OCC to discover the next step in their life to consider if they might continue to be trained for a career and have hope in their life. You are doing that. And we will continue to meet the needs of this community by partnering with everyone around us to meet the needs and care for everyone we can because that is exactly what Jesus did and calls us to do. We are more than a church. We are followers of Jesus Christ. We are a movement in the world not confined by the restraints of the brokenness around us, but set free by the grace and power of Jesus Christ. I know that there are momentous moments happening in the world today. But what gives me hope and joy is that there's life-changing power and the truth of Christ is real, and we here are committed to being followers of Jesus Christ tomorrow and the day after and the day after, even when life stinks. Because in the middle of all, the impossible is made real And lives are changed by the name and power of Jesus Christ as our Lord. Now our spirits are hovering today. But they're not hovering because we're seeking to see if there will be life. My spirit is soaring by grace as resurrection power and new life cause us to move out and forward in the name of Jesus Christ. We believe and we know that we will see the glory of God revealed and shared. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. This last week, I've been in Minnesota. I've been in Minneapolis, supposedly to do worship planning for the next year. Truth is, I got some of that done. The real truth is, I spent time in Minnesota doing what I needed to do. Pray. And praying with friends I've known for 40 years, Brian and Bob and Kay, all of us graduates of Duke Seminary, all of us ordained as deacon or elder in the life of this church that we've loved, and we've cried and we've prayed and we've spoke truth. And I come out of this week restored, hopeful, wondering, but trusting. Because I've come to understand that's exactly what the church does. We gather together and we pray and we worship and we sing songs and we read scripture and we are reminded that yes, there are places where the world stinks, but it never stinks larger or stronger than the power of God to erase it by grace and hope. And I want to tell you down in the depth of my bones, it has never meant more to me to stand here and look out at you And know that the church of Jesus Christ 
remain strong and faithful in this place. Because there's places where life stinks. We've come to know the glory of God. And we will continue to offer that to everyone, to all people, at all times, in every way possible. Because it is the nature of Jesus Christ and is the witness of the gospel for us today. And on that, today my spirit soars, and I give thanks. Amen.